hearts on my card again at the crib telling your girl that we should all right and welcome back to the write the radio podcast where the writers of last out media have their own little podcast and pretend like they're on the radio and that they know what they're talking about. <laughs> I am Matt Maratea. I am going to be uh, laying down the dulcet tones. Check one off your Write the Radio bingo card there. <laughs> so you got dulcet tones in the free space. With me, as always, is the right-hand man, Dubs on Dubs, Bobby <laughs> Dubs. How you doing? I'm doing good. Welcome and bienvenue. <laughs> Welcome all. Let's write the radio. <laughs> do what we do. Shoot the breeze. Talk some sports. Eh, might offend some people on the way. Who knows? Depends on how we're feeling today. <laughs> yeah. It's very likely because the Dining on a Dime podcast made me drink. They oh, forced me to oh, do it. Good. I was peer pressured. I've had, four, okay. I've had four different kinds of bourbon within the last hour. Um, Woodford Reserve. Uh, Hundred Proof Jimmy Beam. Uh, some Elijah Craig, and locally, uh, it's Mermaid Spirits. It was their bourbon that was aged in port wine barrels. It had kind of like a, it was like kind of like Dr Pepper almost, like a cherry vanilla type deal. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's okay. I, w- I would think of all the types of pressure. I would think peer pressure is the best <laughs> one. So yeah, probably <laughs> peer pressure is right at the top. No. So, but it's okay. It's, yeah. it's okay. As you guys may have noticed, we are sans Rob Manoff. We are missing our big man, which leads us to our first topic: the Sixers' big man, who's also missing Joel Embiid. He's had a birthday. Shouts out to the birthday boy, but he's hurt. The Sixers have looked. Pretty damn good without yeah. him. <laughs> At least in the last outing, blow a team out by 40. Not to say that that's going to happen every week, but Matt, what are your thoughts moving forward? Like in this two weeks or so, they say we're going to be without Joel Embiid. Can the team stay afloat? They say it's about nine games in between the two weeks between when he left and when he'll be back. You got a, a record they might have in that nine games, or how well do you think you're going to do? Well, first off, uh, Rob Manoff is. I believe he's been traded to the SB Nation uh, blog site Five for Howling. So he's going to be covering the Arizona Coyotes from now on. Um, you know, great for him, obviously. Uh, Phoenix, fantastic area. Don't know if they're going to help him relocate, but, uh, you know. It is what it is. Yeah. So no. We had to go a different direction. Team had a different future in mind, and uh, we had to do what we had to do. Yeah, no, but uh, really, Rob Manoff at home, being an awesome dad in person, taking care of his kids, uh, always something to be commended for. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, this Sixers upcoming schedule, they got what? Uh, this is Tuesday, so they got the Knicks tonight, Bucks tomorrow, and then Kings, Knicks, Warriors, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. It. This is a tough stretch. Yeah. Right? Uh, obviously, they can beat the Knicks. I feel I feel confident saying that. Um, I think they could do some damage against the Bucks, even. But this is going to be a tough stretch. Uh, you know, if they come through at five hundred in two weeks without Embiid versus some high level competition, I, I think that's a very commendable effort, and I think that kind of proves that whether or not they are at the time, they're probably the best team in the East. Yeah, I I think if they can, if it's 
a total of maybe nine games. If they can win six out of those nine, mm-hmm. you got a legit claim to, yes, they're the best team in the East. And it's not just uh, MB going off every single night. It's an amalgamation of things. It's it's the entire team. As uh, Jason Kelsey would say, it's the whole team. <laughs> ben Simmons won't shoot. <laughs> and I mean, you know, as long as, like we saw in the last game, Matisse Thibel had what? 13, 14 points. Exactly. Right? He hit a couple threes. If that is a regular Matisse, or even if it's like a nine point Matisse, rather than a no points yeah. or two points, right? If we get that type of performance from Thibel, I think that revolutionizes the entire team and the offense. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then the the unspoken yet embattled uh, Star Horde and um, Tobias Harris. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. He needs to get credit for that, and he does keep this team afloat. He's an anchor you can depend on now consistently for 20-plus points a game. This isn't just, oh, when is Tobias going to show up? Is he going to show up in this game that doesn't matter? Or is he going to think of it? It's like consistently, every night, you can get 20-plus from Tobias. He's not going to be afraid to take a big shot if you need a big shot. And that's what's going to help this team send Embiid uh, moving forward in this tiny stretch. That you have guys that are used to knocking down shots, playing big minutes, and then you have – Guys, you didn't have before when this team uh, might be, might have been without a star. You have a Danny Green who was lights out the other night. Mm-hmm. He was unconscious at the beginning of that game. You have a Seth Curry that can also knock down shots who's going to be good in the foul line. They're going to be able to play defense. They're going to be able to get high percentage shots and score a lot of points. And then the the, the cherry on top of the – the Sunday is Kirk on Corkmas. <laughs> Not where I was going, but <laughs> Fergie's good. Fergie's good. I like Fergie. I was going to say the coaching. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is not your daddy Sixers. This is not your your older cousin Sixers who had to deal with Brett Brown and some of the laughable decisions he's made. You get games where like certain things would happen, and you know, oh, this lead would be blown under the old regime. That's not happening with Doc mm-hmm. Rivers. Doc Rivers has a mind for setting lineups, getting the right people in, keeping the right people in when they're hot, going with the hot hand. So that, in and of itself, is going to give you an extra win or two when you normally would lose a game when you don't have your best player. And beyond that layer, with Doc Rivers, then you also have a guy like Sam Cassell there, right? Sam Cassell, he knows what it takes to win games on the floor as an NBA player, you know, as a guy who has played the star role, he's played a defensive role. Sam Cassell has done so much, and we see how closely he works with Ben. Oh, yeah. And there's so much of that influence on the floor, and I think that's what's been fun about watching Ben this oh, Ben's year. been putting clamps yeah. on people. Yeah. But like, he's not playing games. Sort of jumping back to the, the first Tobias point, this has been a not a, a legitimate revenge tour. He's talked about how, you know, the people are behind him now that wanted exactly. to usher him out the door last year, and he's talked about not making the all-star team and how did it, I just want <laughs> I'm glad he's motivated. 
Where was this? Where yeah. did it come Where was from? this last year? How did? Why did you make us take it right. so so far? Exactly. You put the where battery we were, in this guy's back. We were, we were trading you for Buddy Heald this offseason without a second thought. Like Exactly. I mean, I wasn't. I was trying to get rid of Horford, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Tobias, I'm Mission on your side. by the way. I wanted to make you the sixth man, which I thought would cure all ails, but that's a different topic. <laughs> I wanted to make you into what Shake Milton is now, and it's it, oh man, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> That's neither here nor there, yeah. Tobias. We love you. Now. But in terms of the Sixers sort of finishing out this year and being a number one seed, how important is that? And what trades are you making, if any, to try to go about that uh, task? If you're the Sixers, if I'm the Sixers, I mean it's crucial to get the number one seed. It's not completely necessary like oh my god the season's over if they don't end up one um i think it's very crucial because you do let's just face it you get the better matchup in the playoffs if you are the one like the way the bracket breaks down you would face the two lowest seeds left as you move on to the next round which means you could possibly your neck your first round matchup is against an eight your second round matchup can be no higher than a four or five then you're in the, the the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's just that. You're one series away from making it to a championship because you have such in – I'm not going to say easy because these are professionals, but uh, the, <laughs> the easier-traveled road. So it's definitely pertinent, but it's not necessary. But if they are pushing to where, like – oh, we this may be a rough stretch before we go into this and where we get done with this stretch – I believe you throw whatever you can at the wall to see what sticks in an offer for Kyle Lowry. I'm big on Lowry like Manoff was. I think you get that piece. It solidifies uh, not only an offensive presence, guys that can score the basket, but also leadership that's going to lead you forward if you're missing a guy here or there. Guys that are known to pick up the slack. Somebody like a Lowry is going to be known to pick up the slack. You don't have an Embiid, he's going to tell you give me the ball 15, 20 times a game and start jacking up shots. He doesn't care if he has to play that game or the facilitator type game. That is a player that you need to see what you can do do to get him here if you're going to make sure it's your ultimate goal to sustain what you got going and also get a little bit better and remain in that one seed because you don't want to end up with some type of funky matchup in the second round where you got to play a three seed and it's like I I think it's like Milwaukee or something like that in the second round. You don't want that. If anything, you want Brooklyn to have to play Giannis and them in the second round. If, if that's the way, you know, it works out. You want to be able to avoid certain things. And people will say, you know, you should want to face the, the best, you know, uh, opponent. But at the end of the game, <laughs> the, the point of all of this is to win. And to win, you want to have the most favorable matchup. And if you are the one seed, you're going to wind up having the most favorable matchup. Yeah, and if the Sixers... Let's say they do end up with the one seed. The standings, uh, it would have them, if it ended right now, they would play the Hawks in round one. And then in a round two matchup, if you're looking at like the four or the five, it's either going to be the Celtics or the Heat. So that could be, I mean, that could legit be eight games. They could the walk Knicks through either of those the teams. Knicks move down? 
the Knicks are one game or half a game ahead of the Hawks right now. Okay, because they were a four seed like two games before the All Star mm-hmm. break and one game above five hundred. So you see how easy things have changed in the Eastern Conference because yeah. the teams below Philly and Boston, I mean Philly and Brooklyn are not that good. Let's be honest. I mean, you got teams like I said, a game above five hundred. There's a I don't even think he, uh, Atlanta has a winning record. Uh, no, they're nineteen and twenty. Like the Wizards exactly. are are fourteen and twenty four. They're what three and a half games out of eighth. And they have a lot to go to get there. But you know, the Bulls are only a game out. The Pacers are a game and a half out. The Raptors two games out. There's a lot of fluctuation down there. And exactly. then, of course, there's the idea of the, the play-in game, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it could be anybody, but it's going to be a matchup that favors the Sixers, especially in a 1-8 to matchup. And then... Exactly. I mean, hell, I'd love to see them finish three or in some way end up facing the Hornets at some point. That would be great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> hey, I would, hey, I would not put LaMelo and those guys... Past beating uh, Milwaukee, right? The they're they're in six. So them against the Bucks with Lamelo, Scary Terry, exactly the babyface assassin Gordon Hayward, <laughs> the babyface. Yeah. Hey, I wouldn't put it past them at all. Yeah, and then that completely shakes up that whole side of the bracket as far as the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. They win, and then you're looking at maybe them playing Boston. Uh, I mean uh, Brooklyn. Why do yeah. I keep going about because they. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's all the dealings Danny Ainge has had with that team over the years. Well, and it's—I I know you talked about trading for Lowry. I know Rob has mentioned that you wrote about it on Last Out yeah. Media. You can go check uh, out. AJ Iz is uh, currently getting us to do a draft roundtable uh, that I'm participating in, and I'm going to reveal my answers a little bit early, and oh, it may shock you. Now at eleven, <laughs> but. I'm not sure they should trade anyone. I think that... You're one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of guys, I see. <laughs> not so much. It's just I don't see where they could move. Right, Like, how much are you going to have to give up for Lowry that it doesn't affect the future or True. maybe the window, right? Because how much does it, he have that's left? Always, that's always the thing you right. have to ponder when you think about making these trades is how long is this for? Yeah. He's going to be a free agent. Right. Is this something long term? You thinking about having Lowry to the end of his career? Mm-hmm. Are you doing a one year rental? Are you in the mindset of the way you were when you're thinking about possibly trading for Kawhi? And you see how that turned out yeah. for Toronto. Like, what mindset are you when you go about making the trade? This is like, all right, I'm going to solidify a core for the next two, three seasons. Then maybe you go get a Lowry. If you're like. We're in win right now. We don't care about anything past 2021. Then maybe, you know, you decide not to do that. And that's just, that's not me, right? I think the potential that, say, Matisse, Maxi, Milton, those guys in particular have, you know, a, a strengthening this team and all the pieces that we have in place going forward kind of outweighs any trade that they could make this year. The only thing I would do is you know make a small trade and that is for a pure shooting guy just an extra gunner 
off the bench, not going to disrupt the rotation or anything like that. I can see that. Yeah, like a like back at what was it three years ago? They made the Marco Bellinelli oh, trade. Oh yeah, that was that was money for a while. Yeah, exactly. Marco was knocking down shots. Yeah, he was knocking down he was shots. A crowd yeah, people loved him. Yeah, like that type of guy, or you know, uh, like an Ursan Ilyasova type, mm. Kyle Korver, if he was still in the league. Um, I would love if they were maybe to take a run at Douglas McBuckets. Douglas McBuckets. <laughs> I mean, an expiring contract, you could probably get him for just draft picks. Or maybe, you know, if you have to sacrifice an Isaiah Joe to the basketball gods, uh, you know, for a championship, do it, right? Mm. But I'm not getting rid of a Matisse Maxi Milton and... You know what? I may not even part with B-Ball Paul right now. But, you know, I think very small moves. I think chemistry is vastly underrated in the NBA. And I think that's why the Nets don't scare me maybe as much as they should. Because I think, you know, Kyrie is a mess. How do you have chemistry with him just as a person, let alone a basketball player? not knowing where his head's at day in and day out, knowing that this man thinks the earth is flat, passing him a round ball. You can't not think about it every time. Uh, You know, (laughs) KD is one wiggle away from a devastating injury. Uh, Blake Griffin, I don't know. Blake Griffin's washed. Let's get that out of here. Yeah, Blake Griffin, one, washed. Two, (laughs) I don't even know how we ended up on the Nets, some type of shady-ass backroom dealing. That type of thing. I don't know how they're making that money work. Uh, and then who's the other guy they just got? It, it, Harden, right? Yeah. It playoff Harden. Eh, whatever. He may win you a game or two in in a series, but he's not, it's not sustainable. Yeah. And then big picture, like you're saying, like I also like, and I try to tell people this a lot about mm-hmm. basketball. And who's going to get the ball? It, yeah, right. That's a lot of shots to be passing around between those type of guys, but. I try to remind people as we think about basketball. Basketball is a lot, especially in the NBA. It's about timing and about picking your spot, pretty much where you're going to explode and you're going to be like the it team or the it franchise at that moment. We we've seen it over time. We've seen it since the 1980s, really, where the 80s was the only decade where you had like there were like two or three teams any year could win. It was going to be the Lakers, it would be Boston, Sixers would make the playoffs, make the finals, mm-hmm. Pistons would make the finals. That whole thing in the East, that's what you had. It was like three or four teams. But after that, you saw this thing where a franchise on the come up waited their turn, waited everybody out, and then they were fresh and they took over. The Bulls did it throughout the 90s. Yep. Everybody in the East was gone. You had the Knicks, but it was a one-star league at that point. Mm -hmm. So how hard was it for if you kept your roster together or your main pieces together to be the best team year in and year out because you kept the same roster? There wasn't a lot of shakeup then. Even as time progressed, you saw, okay, like, that team mixed over. You had a new renaissance. The early 2000s started. Yeah. You had the, those Lakers team. Then it became a two-star league. And then it became a two-star league. You had those Lakers team who, 98, they had four players in the All-Star game and got swept in the first round of the playoffs mm-hmm. by the Jazz. That tells you how far, like, once you wait your turn and those older guys really are out of your way, yeah. 
what happens? The next thing you knew, nobody could beat the Lakers in the Western Conference and, for and about three or four years. You want to talk about then timing. The Spurs had a chance. The Jazz. I mean, Stockton and Malone were like two all-time guys. Exactly. Right? And they just they never were able to do it. Right, just because they ran into the Bulls, they had the young, hungry Lions and the Lakers. They had to deal with the Rockets exactly. and Hakeem and Bart. I mean, there was so much oh, that went wrong. And then, and then, as we watched in the later part of the 2000s, in the early part of the 2010s, we saw the budding of that Warriors team. We yeah. saw them go from uh, not a playoff team to an eighth seed mm-hmm. to a sixth seed, making the second round. Uh, getting this close, a uh, uh, Steph Curry ankle injury away from knocking off that Spurs team that would eventually beat LeBron's Miami team. What happened? That Spurs team broke yeah. up, and the Warriors were left standing because they paid it. They paced themselves. Mm-hmm. They waited their turn, and everything opened up for them. There was no other team in the West that really was going to combat with them because. Uh, Harden had left Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. or they might have been that team. I yeah. tell everybody, if he doesn't leave and they get rid of Ibaka, whoever it is they wanted to keep, and it's the three of them, or they get rid of Westbrook and it's Harden and Durant, they are in every finals mm-hmm. from then on and not the Warriors. I put that on put that on Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> I mean, what? There and was... now you have, you see what you yeah. see now. Now the Lakers have been able, since they got LeBron, Wait out the whole Warriors thing. They keep getting hurt. And now, literally, you have a Western Conference where it's either going to be the Clippers or the Lakers. You can like how Utah plays and how they have one of the best records. You can like what Denver does. But let's be for real. You you have LeBron now, finally, in year 17, is at a point where if I make the finals, I'm probably going to be the favorite and I should win the series. And, and that's how it works. So if I'm the Sixers, maybe you do stand pat. Harden and Durant are near 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. How much longer can they sustain, sustain being that good? You, If you lock down Embiid and Ben, you're talking about three, four years from now, them li- clearly being the best team and best group in the Eastern Conference with their core. If they can keep it together, and this is where you're going with it. So you may not have to make that drastic move. Hey, uh, we they become that team on the rise. They go from second, third seed, uh, first round, second round knockout to, all right, this is the team that can get to the Eastern Conference Finals a whole bunch. So finally, that team that was in their path is gone. They're old and they're gone. Mm-hmm. If that whole super team crap, that doesn't last. You get three, four seasons out of that max. We we saw that with Miami, with Boston, with Golden State for crazy. Yeah. It only lasts for a little bit of time. And right. if you can withstand it or somehow hold on and hold on to your core through it, you could be great in the long run. I would not be surprised. You're talking three, four years down the road. In the East, the Sixers are clearly the best team and the favorite to go to the finals every year. Yeah. It's like, do you want to be the three-peat Lakers, or do you want to be the Pistons? Exactly. Right? Do you want to be the Ben Wallace, Tayshaun Prince, Chauncey Billups, you know, Rashid Wallace, exactly. We Pistons? got one over one year, and then that was it. I mean, that was an all-time fun team in terms of <laughs> just a hilarious mix of personalities. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was something else. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I think this team is built for the long haul. I think they're built to dominate the East. There is there's no one 
in, I think, this draft coming up that's a game-changing prospect that could go to anybody that changes anyone's fortunes. I just... I don't see anybody being able to challenge the Sixers as long as they, as more if Maury doesn't panic, right? Because Maury wants to win so bad he can taste it, right? He wakes up in the middle of the night and he tastes victory on the back of his tongue. Yeah, when it comes to, and when it comes yeah. to those trades, he's got that itchy trigger finger. Yeah, where and then he, like, he oh, I gotta yeah go. he goes to the, he goes to his phone. He holds it up to his face, does the trade machine. You know, he should put his glasses on, but he doesn't. <laughs> just holds it up to his face instead. <laughs> that looks about right. Yeah. He he needs a yoga teacher. He needs a massage. Some gr- <laughs> like a you know maybe a nice relaxing chamomile tea. You know, somebody get burn more, some incense. Yeah, something. Somebody yeah. get Maury in, <laughs> into a, a sensory deprivation chamber. Get him getting him in a float chamber. Something right. Ease it out. Stand pat. <laughs> Slow it down. Well, from basketball free agency and and the trade deadline, we move into football free agency, which is just opened up right now. And the Eagles have pretty much. Did Pat so far? It's early. It's early. Don't panic. There's a lot of teams doing a lot of moving, including te- <laughs> teams that are picking up former Eagles. Uh, one, uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, they did acquire Jalen Mills. Uh, <laughs> what is going on there at one Patriot way? I have what? no idea what they're doing. Jalen Mills, Nelson Aguilar. Oh. Uh, they just picked up Kendrick Bourne. They picked up <laughs> Janu Smith. Exactly. They picked Hunter up Henry. Hunter Henry. What? I mean, what kind of bizarre offense are they building out there? I right. Don't know. They it's brought back end. Cam Newton. Apparently, James White is on his way out. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, my thing is this. I mean, I guess they're giving. They gave like I don't know what they saw in Cam. Where it was, we'll give him like damn near league minimum a million dollars last year to let's throw 12 at him this year. <laughs> like, did you like what you saw that that much? It, are you like, hey, we can win with this guy? We just got to give him some, some talent around him because they had no offensive skill players. Let's just face facts, they had none. He was the run game. Yeah. He was the pass game. He was everything. I mean, they and got they got, got seven games game. when he was. They won seven games or so. He was passing to what? K. Neil Harry. Exactly. And, and that wasn't even. That was half the time because Harry got hurt. Yeah. And, and I mean, what? I couldn't name you their tight ends. <laughs> the, the ghost of Julian Edelman. I don't know what he is out there now. Yeah. No. But I mean, <laughs> you put. I mean, it harkens back to the. Hernandez Gronkowski days, right? Exactly. With Henry and Smith. And if you just have those two, you're instantly a better team. Now, yeah, yeah. they're not going to compete in the Smith for grabbing that bag. Yeah. I went to high school with his sister. So, they are the coolest people and really good folks. I'm glad for him to hashtag secure the bag. So, good for you, John. Look, New England gets into a <laughs> wild card situation. I'm not going to bet against Belichick in the playoffs. No. Are you? Yeah. You don't want Belichick in the dance. <laughs> yeah. And that's all he's, and I, and, he and has I, to get there. And I have uh, like a, a sinking feeling that the whole, and you know, Bobby Dubs got his his uh, foil hat on. That whole extra playoff pick was, uh, can the Patriots somehow sneak their way in? We need the intrigue of, could Belichick and Brady meet in the Super Bowl? We needed that. 
Well, let's get let's put twelve playoff teams. They got to make it then, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're giving extra games, extra playoff teams. You know, are they going to sweep the seventeen games this season? We don't know. It's it's insane, but clearly this is like the last. This is like Custard's last stand in New England. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm Kraft is like I'm opening up the checkbook. Do whatever you want, Bill. But let's see if you really got it. If you go out there and, as Parcells would say, are allowed to buy the groceries <laughs> and uh, cook me this dinner. This is their letting Dennis this dude just won a Super Bowl and he's making us look bad. This is their letting <laughs> Rodman go to Vegas moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> and also, if Jalen Mills becomes a pro bowler, I, I don't know what I don't know what if I'm going to do with myself. I don't know if it's in the water, but it disgusts me how Eagles defensive backs can go to New England and all of a sudden they can play. The Eric Rose of the world, yeah. the Patrick Chungs of the world. It oh, it irritates pa- me. Patrick Chung is so much more irritating because he was in New England. He, exactly. he, he, was, he was pretty good. He was we hard. signed him and then he turned into a bum. Trash truck juice. Right? That dude <laughs> couldn't hold Quentin Michaels' jockstrap. <laughs> He was so bad. He brought up Quentin Michael, reaching his bag for that one. Props to Matt Maritak. <laughs> and then he left, and then he's making goddamn Pro Bowls exactly. back in New England. He's making Pro Bowls. He's dishing coke. He's the dude over there now. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? It, but it's, it, it isn't just going to New England. Mm-hmm. It's going anywhere. Look at Kirk Coleman. I remember him falling down, bump, running into people in pass coverage. Literally two seasons later, he's in uh, Carolina, and they're like, Kurt Coleman might be the best safety in the National Football yeah. League. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. It's insanity. I'm like, is it just the scheme is that bad? Yeah. Rasul Douglas. Yeah, a common example. Sidney uh, Jones yeah. down there making plays in Duval. Ronald Darby. <laughs> he's Dar- stealing checks. He just got a new deal. Darby still stinks. He's stealing checks. I've seen him play Darby still bad. How does he keep getting money? Because how does it keep getting work? Because he's doing like a weird Asante Samuel like impression, and people are buying it. He plays exactly like Samuel did, yes. only without doing everything good yeah. that he it's did. No good if you're constantly jumping routes if you never get any interceptions. Yeah. That's just it and it, work. And at least way. Asante, like he wouldn't tackle anybody, but he would lay a shoulder into a dude, right? Like Asante oh, yeah. would hit you, and you would feel it. He may not tackle you, but you were stunned and somebody else tackled you. Exactly. He stood you up. Yeah. Darby <laughs> will sprain his ankle if he so much as touches another person. Exactly. He needs to move out of the way. He's not. He's making business decisions mm-hmm. constantly. But, you know, in order to even make any acquisitions, we'd have to have a competent front office, which leads us to our next point in the discovery of some – well, it's how we say choice words and bad uh, bad beefs that our general manager, Howie Roseman, has had with players recently. It's just been unearthed that he had a back and forth with Lane Johnson, all pro right tackle Lane Johnson, my eye, um, about you know wanting to suit up. Lane expressing, I'm hurt. I may not be able to give my full potential. Mm-hmm. I may I may actually be hurting the team if I am out there. And this is back this in what? This is 2018. Is like, this is before the London game. And in that game, seven snaps in, 
Lane Johnson was lost for the rest of the season. So Lane knew the extent of his injuries. The Eagles coaching staff knew Lane was banged up and it was going to be very tentative, very touch and go, right? So Lane obviously conflicted, you know, obviously wanting to put the team first, right? And he's a guy we know will play through pain, will play through injuries. He's done that before. And for that, also, alert, we're at Matt's Rat Bastard of the Week. Exactly. That, that, that rat, rat bastard, <laughs> Howard Roseman, or Howie. I don't even, is his name actually Howard? It is Howard. Yeah. Howie Roseman, to say, to, you, give him the exact quote. The exact quote is, and this is after Lane says, whatever, I'll suit up, I'm going to play. He suits up, he puts his mouthpiece in. Roseman says to him, and I quote, I'm glad you have your mouthpiece in. Now you can't say anything else stupid. First off, how as if you, me not wanting yeah. to hurt the team is saying something stupid. Really? I don't give a damn if they never win another game. This guy's got to go. I don't give a damn what he does. I don't care if they win a division, they win a playoff game. This I don't care. I don't care if he somehow gets the greatest draft pick of all time at number six. I'm done with the guy. I don't care who he gets at six. I don't care if he somehow gets Trevor Lawrence at six. I don't care. He got to go. Right. Unless Howie pulls off some type of Kevin Costner draft day scenario. Exactly. I mean, the things that he said to Lane, first off, as a man, is inexcusable because we all know exactly. what kind of a person Lane Johnson is. We know the struggles he's had in his career and the things he's overcome to become an all-pro right tackle, to become a guy that could very well end up in the Eagles Hall of Fame, let alone, I mean, if he stays on his track, we could be talking pro football Hall of Fame based on what Lane Johnson is, right? And then for Howie to say that to him, and then for Lane to then be lost for the season, essentially as a result of how he's prodding, is absurd. It's malpractice. There, if Jeffrey Lurie didn't read that and then instantly become beside himself that his little buddy, that his most trusted confidant, was the direct result of one of the best players on his team uh, risking possibly their entire career... To play the Jaguars? It's reprehensible. Yeah. It's utterly absurd. It's it's, it's, absolutely disgusting. Yeah. And just the fact that, you know, there, there were other things reported, and we know the current situation with Zach Ertz, right? We know him and Howie got into it. At the very beginning of the season last year. Exactly. And we know that Zach is basically all but asked to be traded. And we know, you know, they lost Carson Wentz. He oh, had to be traded. That, at, the yeah. end, at the end of the Carson thing, we learned he was speaking to everybody except Howie. Yeah. I'll talk to anybody but that asshole. Mm-hmm. That was Carson's mind frame. Yeah. And I mean, what? He, he was, it was reported that at some point, you know, guys like Fletcher Cox and Carson were, you know, how he was getting input from them on decisions. And then all of a sudden, he turns around and drafts Jalen Hurts, right? So, what kind of slap in the face, stab in the back, 
you know, whatever insult you want to take it as that to the person you just gave $128 million to, your franchise quarterback, right? What does that say to Fletcher Cox, who has called Carson Wentz his best friend on the team at some point, right? And I just, I don't know how any of the players, obviously, I highly doubt that there's any respect for how we left whatsoever in that locker room. He shows his face in that yeah. locker room. You can't walk in there and look those men in the eye being the creep that you are. Yeah. I mean, as, as if the Eagles don't sign any free agent of note this year, I think it's pretty clear as to why. I don't think it's because people don't want to take a chance on playing with the Eagles. I think it's because they don't want to deal with Howie Roseman. Exactly. It's it's despicable. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned Carson Wentz and just to pivot a little bit as we go into another sport, with our Flyers, it and I'm not gonna call it that type of situation, mm-hmm. but it's it's become so inconsistent and so bad at times that you almost feel like you're falling into the Carson Wentz zone with our boy Carter Hart. I mean, it's been bad play after bad play. At some point, it's not the defense. It's him giving up goals that he shouldn't. And it's like, are we at a point, Matt Maritay? You're our hockey guy that we need to maybe sit him, go with Elliott for a while, see how that works out, and then maybe once Carter gets his head straight, then you put him back in the lineup. Well, it's sort of become a process, right? And they've almost gotten to that 50-50 split with Elliott, Maybe taking, you know, maybe it's a little more like 52-48 towards him as Carter struggles to right the ship, right? He's seemed almost uh, despotic in some of his press conferences. Uh, You know, he had a win last night, but there were times where he was scrambling or didn't look good or looked unsure, unsteady of himself. But... There are some parallels we can make to this Carson Wentz situation. And it's not so much in the fact... I mean, the where, world's haven't completely fallen off for Carter. I will say that. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, in some, it's sometimes they have, yeah. right? If he gives up early goals or you know they get to like a three-goal mark, sometimes it just seems that you know the doubt is there and it just creeps in. And that at that point, the game is a wash. But it's very much a situation where we saw like early in the season where the Eagles offensive line was just trashed. But Carson was making all sorts of plays despite that. And they were in games. They were doing some positive things. Like last night, they lost 5-4. to Or no, they won 5-4 to in overtime. Uh, He had some pretty good saves. Uh, obviously, there was four goals scored. Not all of them were his fault. There was a lot that you could have put on the defense, right? It felt a lot to me, if we're going to make a parallel, like the win against San Francisco. Yeah. Right? Carson made some mistakes, but also made some incredible plays. And without him, we don't win that game. Without Carter Hart, I think the Flyers may not win that game yesterday. I mean, yeah. Brian Elliott maybe could make some of those saves. Maybe he could not. But, I mean, you get to a point in a, an overtime where your goalie has to make a save. Hart did that, right? Like a, you know, fourth quarter, Carson has to make a play, makes the throw to Fulgham. You know, it happens. But it's 
you know, it's a very touch and go situation. Hockey's a longer season. Goaltenders are a little more fragile. Yes. Because they have to play every minute of every game, right? It's not, uh, you know, there's no defense that can bail them out or get them good field position, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the Flyers just aren't a good, well balanced team right now. They, I mean, they're getting shelled. Their offense is limited to a collection of three or four guys. I mean, some of the disparages in shots on goal has just been atrocious mm-hmm. in these games. Like they're not getting the offense in, and then it's leading the the bad defense on the other end because you got the transition and them flying back down the rink. And like you said, with Carter, like the one thing you can uh, say is that there's potential there clearly he's got some skill and we all know like it's very like you said touch and go and it's you got to play things by ear you got to be careful with this because one thing you cannot have in the national hockey league is a goaltender who's inside his own head mm-hmm. it's just the other word that's so much more mental and it's hella physical but it's so much more mental in the goaltender spot when you're thinking about where this puck's going? Where this puck's going? And when, is he going glove? Is he going stick side? <laughs> you gotta think about all of that, and you gotta have him in the right headspace. I want the kid to succeed. So, whatever they plan on doing, they need to either get it together, devise this plan, see how they're gonna go forward, and see if they can help this kid. Because unlike the Carson thing, I really do think you can try to kind of fix this kid because he has that much pure skill. An ability mm-hmm. that is worth it when he's on point and he's a magician out there is worth. It. Yeah, and now I'm not exactly a goaltending coach. I am a, a high school hockey coach. Now I've got to deal with three of these kids, <laughs> right? So I've got three teenage goaltenders with personalities I have to manage, and you know it really is a lot about reading their emotions, right? Uh, you know, one day you know one guy's supposed to play, you know, forgets a pad, right? Uh, but it's like one of the pads underneath. It's like, can he go? Is that going to freak him out? Is that going to be too much in his head? Or should I start the other guy who wasn't expecting to play, doesn't seem like he really wants to play, right? Uh, There's a lot of managing, and it's so, so based off emotions, right? And it's like, you know, we're playing the best team in the league one day, and the guy who hasn't played in like two, three weeks says, hey, coach, I want this one. This I'm one's ready mine. To go in, coach. Put me in there. Well, hold on. What? <laughs> cool, your jets. <laughs> okay. Do I? And then I'm like trying to figure. It looks like okay. I got six games left. How do I schedule this out to get everybody even time? Right? Yeah. Because you know, I, I'm a like I'm on a middle team. Right? Yeah. There's a team above me and a team below me through the school system. So I'm trying to develop the younger guys, but I've also got to get the upperclassmen. You know, their reps. Yeah. Right. I have to make sure that they get an even share. You know, they get those good looks for when they're moving on to college, when they're challenging for varsity, their senior year or that type of thing. So it's, yeah, managing goaltenders is probably as hard, if not harder, than managing any other position in sports. I would say it's goalies and pitching staff. Yeah. One and two. Yeah, and like like we were saying, like with, with Carter Hart, he just seems so – Unsure of himself, and if and I know it's cliche, it's Philly. We always like Rocky, but it, it reminds me 
of Rocky uh, three mm-hmm. when he gets his ass kicked by Clever Lang and he tells uh, Adrian, he's like, "Don't you understand? I don't believe in myself no more." And that's it. What a fighter don't believe no more. That's it. He's finished. It's done. Like he's at the point where it's close to him not believing in himself anymore. And you can see it. There's trepidation in his movements, and uh, some of it is delayed, and he's not getting to where he should be in his spots at the right time. Mm-hmm. So like, you hope it doesn't get that far to where he's completely zapped and he just doesn't believe anymore another way to compare it is like think about a cop show right where you have the young guy the rookie fresh on the force he's trying to save every life he's trying to crack every case (laughs) and then you know like a tragedy strikes right like like he can't save the person they fall out the window the criminal gets away and they're you know they're all shook up and then their veteran partners like Listen, that's not so bad. Let me tell you about this time back in '88, right? And that's Brian Ellett. He's like, "Come on, I've let up like, I've let up like 18 goals in a three-game stretch before. This isn't bad, Carter. You're fine. One day you're going to be like me with bad hips and three kids, and I got to keep playing on these two-year deals because those kids have expensive tastes. Who thought a couple of kids from Wisconsin would develop hoity-toity?" <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he has that veteran presence. He has goalie coach Kim Dillabaugh, who he loves and trusts. I think Carter's going to be fine. I think the team as a whole is deeply flawed. And I think we just got a new guest into the studio. Look who it is. Whoa, who's here? Who's that? Who is it? Who? Oh, it's me. It's me. I'm the guest. Hey, what's up? It's Vince Quinn. Hey, there you go. And it's Vince Quinn. (laughs) What's going on, guys? What's going on? Yeah, we're 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 doing well. We're uh, you know we broke news about the Rob Manoff trade to uh, Five for Howling, the SB Nation site for the Arizona Coyotes. Yep. Uh, You know, obviously that was uh, our breaking news lead in, and then since then we've talked a little NBA. uh, You know. Called Howie Roseman a rat bastard. Uh, <laughs> he has won Matt Maritay's official Rat Bastard of the Week award. Oh, His comments, Lane Johnson. You can go check my piece out on Write the Radio on that whole story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah, he's not a popular guy after that piece. No, mm-hmm. no he's been a popular all. guy for a while anyway. No, no, yeah. no. I think Dubs might have put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> I, had, I had people. Creating petitions on change.org to get him fired. Really? Yes. Oh my God. People's that's awesome. Facebook lit up at Bobby Dove's uh, <laughs> reporting of this whole situation. Shouts out to Jeff McLean also for uh, actually putting that stuff out there. But yeah, the people were on there like dropping links to change.org. We need to fire Howie Roseman now. It, it, it was insane. And I'm like, yeah. I'm all for it. You would have heard us. You would have heard me tell Matt that he needs to go right now. Yeah. I used to be a big Howie guy, too. I don't care if he gets Trevor Lawrence at six. He got to go. Yeah. I don't care if he works any type of cat magic, and all of a sudden they're $50 million under the cap by tomorrow. He got to go. Well, yeah, even if he does all the restructuring stuff, too, which he's doing a shit ton of it right now, <laughs> the, the, the whole problem is the money transfers to other years. Exactly. So as they keep doing this to survive now, because part of it's the pandemic, but also part of it is, hey, you have a lot of awful contracts on the team. Well, then, yeah, like how much does that screw up next year, the year after that, after that? Like there, there's a residual effect of all of this stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's insane. It's, it's almost like he's ensuring his employment by saying, like, listen. When the Piper comes, I can either be here 
to help kick it, kick the can down the curb a little bit, or you can deal with some other guy, right? Like, would you want Mike Mayock handling this cap situation right now, no. or would you have to? Would you want to lump Lewis Riddick into this, right? Knowing he hates Howie as it is, that exactly. man's pouring over a spreadsheet with steam coming out his ears. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you watch Monday Night Football, especially the games where they had the Eagles on, or even ones when they didn't, I mean, it was a drinking game. You mm-hmm. would take a shot at every subliminal shot at Howie Roseman from Lewis Riddick. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I went to his party, and a uh, burger was undercooked, and not like a good way, but it was just a horribly undercooked burger. Like, he was finding everything he possibly oh, yeah, could. Oh, I remember mm-hmm. the Buffalo game. He's like, see, this is what you do when you have a, a good quarterback you surround them with things that work like a running game, a stud wide receiver. This is what you do for a young quarterback you know has potential. <laughs> you don't let him linger with a bad offensive line. He start going in. I'm like, ah. The sad part is I love the Eagles so much, right? If Howie was to like say sign like one of the Bill studs from last, like if he was to get John Brown in on a decent contract, I just have to like narrow my eyes and say, good job. <laughs> I don't trust you, but I re- like like it's a West Mantooth situation, <laughs> right? Like Howie is Will Ferrell climbing the ladder out of the bear pit, right? And I'm wet. I got the ladder in my hands, you know. Oh, oh, okay, fine. You got me, Kenna Galladay. God uh-huh. damn it, I respect you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's even Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's like, you did it, you crazy son of a bitch. Yeah. You did it. <laughs> Right. This is the problem. Like we can't actively root against him, even though he's a hated person, because he controls everything right now. He's going to ultimately decide whether or not the Eagles are good or bad this year. And yeah. as I'm on the record of being positively optimistic about this team, an eight and eight division winner. Ooh, you are insane, Woo! sir. Last Out Media has to start drug texting, Vince Quinn. Barger's uh, coming in later. I'm no, asking for drug testing. I'm not That's firing insane. myself is what I'm saying. That. Um, so, no. But 8-8 uh, eight eight is... Uh, oh, that's saucy. That's a hot take. If they run that's the ball a lot, if they run the ball a lot... Do I have and to bring the schedule this, back up? Patrick implodes in Washington, which could happen. Oh, no. They're losing both those games. One if, high, no, they <laughs> might lose both of those games. I'll totally buy that they lose both those games. But if Washington only wins, like, Seven again. If they go seven and nine again, could the Eagles in some way like I had a thought in my head, I'll admit like a week ago, week and a half ago, where I was like, you know, if the offensive line's healthy, maybe yeah. they could do it. You know, I just it's, Oh my goodness. I hate something that. to it. I hate there's when you something start to it. <laughs> I hate when you got it in your mind, you're ready, you're set. I'm ready for my popcorn to watch this dumpster fire and them losing 10, 11, 12 games, and it was like, oh well, actually if this happens and then if that happens and Fitzpatrick, and you're like, oh god damn it, they got a shot. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and w- won't that be just like the ultimate indictment of Ryan Fitzpatrick's career if he doesn't have a better record than the collective <laughs> of Washington football quarterbacks last year, right? If he can't outplay the Haskins, Heineke, Brandon Allen, Alex Smith, you know. Triumvirate? Yeah. I don't know, like quadriplegic. I mean, that's essentially what they were at the end. But Uh, it's... It was in tatters. Yeah, no, it's... if If he can't outplay them, then, I mean, that's pretty much it. But also... He could essentially wreck the season for like he could take down the entire NFC East in one fell swoop. 
right? Because he could implode his own team while simultaneously destroying all of the other teams. Absolutely, like he'd lose. It like it, it would be some awful. Like where mm-hmm. it would be everybody had the same record at the end of the season and it came down to like division record or common opponent or something like that. Because not only is he losing games outside of division at a record pace, he seems to keep beating like Dallas and New York and us. Yeah. <laughs> he's six and zero against the division and then he wins or he loses every other game he's except six and one. 10. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So you go to seventeen this year, right? Isn't yeah, he six so, and eleven. Yeah, so there you go. They're gonna be six and eleven this year or like seven and ten and Fitzpatrick's gonna win every single division game. It's gonna yeah. be a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> but Let's look at the Eagles' schedule for a second so I can prove my point. They've got, oh, to, got, they've got to play the Jets, right? If that's not a win, give up, right? The Broncos, they don't scare me. Who's the quarterback? Drew, Drew Locke, maybe? Exactly. Right. Yeah. We saw what they peddled out last season. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're lowballing Philip Lindsay, who's like one of their best players. So that, I mean, Elway's lost control there. 49ers stink. They may not have a quarterback. Right, I'm not scared of what whoever they could. I mean, what is it, Jimmy G again? Huh? As of now, yeah, they've been looking for every other option. They just exactly. can't play yeah. anything loose. Detroit. I mean, we own Jared Goff at some point. Uh, the way they, the Raiders. Uh, what uh, the Carolina Panthers? Who's their quarterback? Teddy B. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd take Carolina over us right I'd now. I'd take Carolina with Christian McCaffrey helping. I don't, think, yeah. I don't think Teddy B is going to be back. Right I, now he's locked in. I, I mean, he, they technically have I don't know if he's their guy, though. <laughs> I mean, it could be. we could be playing P.J. Walker or Mac Jones, <laughs> for all we know, down in Carolina. <laughs> this dude is, like, placing his estimation on a wing and a prayer. He's like, you never know what could happen. Yeah, he might go to the Grand Canyon, climb over the railing, <laughs> yeah. take a selfie on the ridge where he shouldn't, and fall over and die. So yeah, like, Exactly. Like, there you got another win. We, we, got the, we got the Falcons. They could suck again somehow. <laughs> I mean, they'll probably beat us because they have, like, a receiver. But <laughs> Exactly. I mean, they got a couple. But, I mean, Matt, if, what, if Matt Ryan goes down, what do they have? That man's on a... Winging a prayer when it comes to an ACL or an ankle. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten hurt yet. Yeah, well, he's yeah, he's what like 36 at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's up there. Like he's like the new breeze, essentially. Pretty much, right? The old guy who might be losing his arm, but they still want to take another run at it. And they'll do that for another four years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh, we got New Orleans again. They might be starting Jameis Winston. <laughs> Who knows? Right? Yeah, yeah, if Jameis goes cross-eyed on the field started. again. <laughs> oh, wait, did you guys see that Taysom Hill contract, by the way? Yes. Is that the funniest that? shit you've ever seen in your How life? You that it was, was like great. four years, went 40, but none of it's guaranteed exactly. at all. It's not, even that they can, it's not even that they can cut them. It's flat out they voidable. Void it. They're just like, this just never happened. Like, we're just never going to talk about yeah. these years. Like, I'm can you imagine a franchise having a fuck that button? That's essentially yeah. what it... Fuck that. Yeah. That's what that is. They have a fuck that button. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I've never seen that in my life. Like, I've seen... Because remember Darrell Revis at the end of his career? Yep. He would get these deals where it's like, I'm just going to take 15 mil for one year, and it's three years of options. So like, if I want to stay with you for next year, I'll do that, but it's my choice. Exactly. And then he would just be like, peace after a year. Exactly. You just do it all you the time. You get 20 apiece wherever he went. Yeah, this is the total opposite of that. Where they're like, yeah, we could give you... Forty million dollars a year, but you're probably going to suck, and it all starts next year. So, like, there's no way you're really going to actually see that money. 
but it feels good. Thanks for sticking with the New Orleans Saints. Like, it's crazy. You know, I, I really hope Christian and Bartur aren't taking any tips. <laughs> like, you know what, Dubs? We love you. Eight years, $800 million. It's all avoidable, though. It doesn't start till next year. <laughs> I, I would love if somehow Hill was paid, like, by whatever position he took the most snaps at that game. Oh, right? that would like be if hilarious. He, like if he had four different contracts, it could be activated <laughs> on a week-to-week basis. Game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Taysom, looks like you are a running back this week. <laughs> and that would make you our fourth string back. So here's $800,000. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That would be hilarious. Yeah, he could be one of the weirdest incentive contracts ever. Like Cam Newton's deal is basically all incentives. He's got yeah. a five mil flat, but then yeah. he got the 14. Like that's exactly. that's a lot of money in incentives. Yeah. You know, that's a that's not a thing you see a lot. But if Taysom Hill was all incentives, I can't even imagine what that deal could be. Because it really could go up to like thirty five yeah, like million has, in a yeah. season. Fifty but, snaps at quarterback, that's like a million dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nuts. I mean what a Jalen Mills contract with the Patriots. That's what, nine million yeah, guaranteed? It's like a twenty four million dollar contract. It's yeah. nine million of it. How about that? There's the a way. whole bu- there's a whole bunch of money out there for Jalen to go get that bag, but <laughs> can he do it? Probably not. (laughs) I don't think Bill's going to let him. (laughs) Exactly. Did you guys second guess that one? Once Jalen Mills went to New England like that? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the Patrick Chung effect. Yeah. As we were talking about. Yeah, Yeah. we were talking about how people like magically go to New England and they can play like Eric Rowe and Patrick Chung. Yeah. We don't get it. And that's the thing, like they don't often throw money at free agents and when they do, those guys typically hit. So, yeah. like, Stephon Gilmore hit the free agent market first day. Bam, they threw all the money in the world at him. What do you know? He's the best corner in the league for, like, exactly. three years. Mm-hmm. So they know their shit over there, and especially defense. And you go and you see Jalen Mills go over there where he was great in the red zone yeah. here and had moments here. And it's like, I, I don't know how – I mean, I don't know if the Eagles would have gotten anything out of him. Who knows what this defense looks like? Exactly. But, man, it sucks. It just sucks to be like, oh, Ronald Darby didn't work out. Sidney Jones didn't work out. Rasul Douglas didn't work out. Here goes Jalen Mills to New England. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're wrong about all these guys. They just couldn't coach them, you know? So exactly. It just, it's the scheme. Yeah, it kills me. It kills me. So I, I saw that, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is bad. Uh, d- didn't Schwartz and Belichick, like, have a thing? Like, weren't they associated at some point, too? Yeah. Yeah. They were connected in some way. I believe it. Yeah, I think it was a. I think George was a coordinator at some point mm-hmm. underneath Belichick. He's always been a defensive guy. Belichick's a defensive guy. Yeah. So there's that, and then our our buddy Nelson, who was working out with Jalen Hurts, fueling Whoa, rumors of a return. Yeah. And now he's Cam Newton's top weapon. Oh, as a receiver. I guess yeah, probably because he's, he's, right he's not better than Henry or Janu, but he's. Why He's still New England number one. Yeah, get your fantasy frames ready. <laughs> That's just I don't I don't know how they're going to use him. I mean, I don't, can Cam even throw the ball downfield anymore? All slants, six yeah. yard slants. Yeah, That's what we're doing here. Yeah, they're going to run a lot of those. <laughs> Nelson turns into some poor man's Michael Thomas. Exactly. He's the possession guy now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. I will say this, to, to distract us from the follies that will be this free agent season from the Eagles, it is time for the NCAA tournament. We do have a local team in it. Drexel made the tournament. And I, I pose a question to Matt, and Vince, you can answer as well. How excited are we? Like, if there was a, a scale from 1 to 10 for Drexel to be in the tournament, what is your number? Because to me, don't know if I can really get up 
to watch literally, which will probably be one game of Drexel playing basketball. Well, yeah. What seed are they? Sixteen. Oh, they're a sixteen. Oh, well then, okay. They they got they got, got, Illi- is high for they got Illinois. They got yeah. Illinois. The fighting Illinois. Oh, let's go. Okay, I don't know anything about Illinois. I haven't watched a second of college basketball <laughs> this whole year. They're, they're okay. Yeah, so they're number three in the country. That's fine. That's fine. That's all the better. If they win, because if they win that game, it's a reason for everybody to pretend for once that we actually care about Drexel when nobody does. So exactly. they win the game. We all lose our shit for a day. We go, oh, wow, Drexel. Yeah, wow, everybody goes out in the street. You know how we overdo everything. In Philadelphia when anybody yeah. does anything well. Yeah. Oh, we're in the street, Drexel. 2021's our year. This is it. Oh, my God. For one week, applications surge. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's just going to Drexel. Yeah, and then some people are naming bastard. their sons Drexel. Right? <laughs> Sometimes it dumps you. Exactly. People are going to be getting tattoos and shit, and then they're going to get blown out in the second round. People are like, well, I saw it coming. You know, like, it's gonna be, <laughs> really? Like, yeah, see, no I, shit. I, that's the thing. The, the boom potential of this is so great. So I'm thrilled on that level. I have zero expectation for it. But if it hits, man, that's a hell of a bet to hit. That's awesome. Oh, really, right? You got to put something down on it. Yeah, just for I mean, why not, right? Got to live. Yeah. But, I mean, Drexel is... I mean, they surprised people in the tournament, what, uh, 10 years ago, just about. They had a decent little run. Oh, yeah. I, I got to watch them play a little bit uh, last year. Uh, you know, we got credentials f- to cover their games. They were a well-structured team. They just didn't have a ton of talent. And now they're a little bit older, a little bit more veteran, and they have a little bit more talent that came in. If it wasn't a one seed, I could be like, yeah, why not? But it's look, they'll give them a game, right? They're not going to get their doors blown off, I think, by Illinois. And I think that's a good showing. Okay, let me throw out ignorant man's college basketball take real real quick, okay? Because one of the things that I've heard is people talking about college basketball, they sort of go like, ah, oh, it's a pandemic season, like, oh, whatever. Like, like the quality of the top is not as good is basically the insinuation. Yeah, like they did last mm-hmm. year with true? the NBA. Oh, this Mickey Mouse title, that doesn't that count. Was a lot. That was well, yeah. That's my thing. ass. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> but yeah, like, is there is there anything to that, Taylor? You're kind of like shaking your head. Yeah, you don't see it. You think those guys look good. Uh, it's like Duke... They're out. <laughs> yeah, Duke's the only team that was effective, and they were barely a 500 team. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like yeah besides, so there you go. Besides that, there's nothing really that significant. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that's cleared up then. That's good to know. So, okay, they're going to the legit one seed, and they're probably going to get crushed by, like, 40. But we've got the excitement of them getting in, baby. Yeah. We could dream. I'm here for that. Right, and it's not like it's Nova's year this year, so why not, like, throw your merit behind a Philly school for one game, maybe two, right? Go to Buffalo Wild Wings, get drunk, <laughs> you know, have a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. No, that sounds yeah. like a great time. And yeah, just to have an excuse to what else is going on right now? I mean, seriously, your Sixers regular season games, like what, what's wrong to take a couple of minutes and go, let me watch this basketball game I would have never cared about in mm-hmm. my life. <laughs> would you like to know the odds? Oh, that game? Yeah, oh yes. Let's go. Moneyline. Drexel is plus 1,300. <laughs> They're a 22 and a half point dog. <laughs> I'll minus take that. 22, 22 and, a and a half? You taking it? Yeah. <laughs> taking it minus 22 and a half. There we go. And, uh, Matt had pretty good analysis. You like clued it. Like, you actually seem to know what the fuck is going on with Drexel. So when I get that kind of analysis, where they're at the games and they're growing and they're doing something, I'm like, all right, yeah. If you're, I, I'm convinced now. I'm in. They're going to beat the spread. We're beating the spread, baby. Yeah. We're beating the spread. You heard it here first on Right the Radio. Uh, Taking Drexel 22 and a half. Our dragons are going to go and beat the yeah. <laughs> Our dragons. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But. 
Taylor did mention Duke uh, is not in the tournament. Neither is Kentucky. This is the twilight zone of NCAA brackets. How do we feel about it? Like, is it like knowing that some of these perennial teams you're used to seeing are not there? How do we feel about it? Are we shocked? Does it give, let it take away any of the luster of watching the tournament? Because you don't have like that that evil team to root. Like Duke is mega heel. Like you you go in and you're like, I can't wait to see Duke fucking lose. I I, I live to see them lose and not make it all the way to you know the final four. But now that you don't have that, you don't have those those powers that you're used to, and you're like. Am I rooting for Gonzaga at one because they're Gonzaga and they're used to not doing anything? Mm-hmm. Or they'll have a crazy high seed and never get to the actual national championship? It's like, who do I hate in this damn thing? To me, Duke <laughs> is the antithesis of everything that is good about college basketball. So the only thing better than them losing in the tournament is not making it at all. <laughs> I am reveling in this. I could not be happier that Duke didn't make it. I just I, I think Mike Shashevsky is evil. I think he's done deals with the devil. Uh, I'm willing to say that you know down on Old Tobacco Road, there's been some type of shady something or other that's happened. Oh wait, are they Chapel Hill? Which one's no, which? That's tobacco North Carolina. Road. Yeah, North Carolina okay, is yeah. Uh, Chapel Hill. Yeah. It's Duke in Durham. <laughs> Duke is evil, right? And Shusevsky is the evil face uh, of Duke. Oh, I was out on Shusevsky when I realized how the name was spelled. I know it's the whole bullish thing and all of that, but yeah. like, there's no way that's Shusevsky. Yeah, no. Bullshit. That's Shusevsky. Yeah. KW, KW does not mean CH. Like, what? <laughs> in no planet. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm side eyeing that guy for the last 25 years. And look, I can think of a way to hate almost any school, right? Like, I could do a heel turn on Gonzaga. I could tell you why Winthrop sucks. <laughs> Winthrop. Right? It doesn't have to be legit. I'll make up a reason, right? Colgate. Like, that okay. Toothpaste University has a basketball team? Come you on. Yeah, I'm an aim guy. Just yeah. saying I'm an aim guy. Yeah. Listen. I'm an aim guy. Crest got robbed. Exactly. Yeah. What is yeah. this? But I, I'll say this, like, I, I love it, too. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that Duke isn't in. I think it's great because, I mean, think about how much they're flipping the fuck out down there oh, yeah. about the fact that they're not in. It's been, what, 23 years? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's all. Like, those kids haven't even, for, they had the 18 years to 22 years of being the bandwagon Duke fans that they were from the jump. And they exactly. had their whole lives of being on the bandwagon. And wow, we're one of the best seeds of the country. We're one of the best teams of the country. It's the first time in their lives for some of these people that they're realizing, oh, wow, sports actually affect us negatively sometimes. Mm-hmm. And now they have to deal with that. Like, it's a great reality check for them. And like you said, like all the advantages that Duke has had, Coach K being associated with USA Basketball and all this stuff, like he's had so many different things that have propped up that program. So it's great to see them be out. And also, college basketball is changing. Right? Like, those top kids are not staying the same way anymore. You're not building juggernauts the same way anymore. So unless you get one of those five guys that's actually like a top recruit and you get him to play for that one year on your team, you're not going to be that good anymore. Like that is the status of college basketball. So I, I look at it, I go, great. This is, it, it's a sign of the I, times and I'm happy to see it. And at this I'm rate, convinced. you might I'm not convinced. even get one of those five guys. Exactly. Right. You might just get usurped. Right by the by, the next you know uh, Lavar Ball, exactly. right? Who has a super kid? 
right? Exactly. Or whoever. Well, and the G League's coming. Yeah. I mean, oh, they're yeah. going to be paying those kids soon. And once you can just say, fuck it, I'm not even going to go to college. I'm just going to start getting paid. Like, it's over. That just makes me sad about Brandon Jennings. That dude was born 10, 15 years too early. Because he was the guy who was like, listen, I don't want to do this. Let me pray a year of, like, low-level pro ball. Then I'll do it. But if Brandon Jennings was in school now or about to be in college, man, it would be totally different. Yeah, but I'm with Vince. I, I like seeing them take a fall. It it it, it reminds it, it's apropos mm-hmm. for this year and the things we've seen happen just throughout this pandemic. Just like recently, we had that whole thing with the stock market and all, and all the trades and all the little guys kind of got theirs and all the big corporations start shitting bricks because oh, what these little people making money? What is this about? <laughs> this is what's going on right now. College basketball. What do you mean the Dukes of the world and the Kentuckys of the world aren't in the tournament? Aren't wrecking shots? Or scaring everybody. Mm-hmm. What do you mean the little guy might make it? <laughs> no, nope, it, it's Oral Roberts time. Exactly. That's right. And, and it took just one of those two teams for Drexel to get in, probably, right? So, like, yeah. hey, all the better. Let's hear for Eastern Washington, St. Bonaventure. Let's get those guys in there. Morehead State made exactly. it. That's awesome. Kyle Santa Barbara. We need more basketball teams. Play from Santa Barbara. That's right. Well, what was the school with the nun, like the 500 year old nun? Uh, Loyola Chicago. They're yeah. in it again. Oh, she's going it. back. She's going she's oh, still yes. there? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Abilene that is Christian. amazing. I want to see those teams. I know, but it, this is a weird year. Like, Georgetown is a 12 seed, right? Yeah. Syracuse. And they won, is, the, they yeah. won the tournament. Syracuse is an 11, right? Uh, you know. There was another big school that wasn't a great seed. Or like UCLA isn't a play-in game with Michigan State. Like this is just a goofy year. And I think this is going to be one of the more fun tournaments if people are willing to invest in it, right? It doesn't even have to be monetarily, just time. Yeah. I don't invest monetarily. I mean, because this is a a crapshoot of a draw. Unless you're going to put it all on Drexel. Yeah. (laughs) This you got you got Drexel to upset one, and then probably chalk the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, Gonzaga or Georgia. Oh man! But before we get out of here, uh, we are going to do what we always do, which is tales from the press box. We like to recount stories. We like to put our own spin on one of the topics we're doing. Is we we talked a lot about free agency and pickups and signings and all of that. I want to know if the guys around me. Can they remember like a memorable, a memorable free agent signing and like where you were when it happened? Like you just might have been walking in the market or something, and you heard, "Oh, we got such and such." Oh, it, it's going down. Like I remember, mine is I remember where I was when the Eagles signed Namdi Asimwa. Oh, I was in a bowling alley on a date <laughs> with uh, my wife, and <laughs> we were on a date. It was like one of the first times we got to get out. Since we had the kids, you know, I got three and they're close in age. Mm-hmm. So we got out, we went bowling and dinner and the whole thing. And I, we were down at, um, what's the place right down Center City? There's a place, uh, I think it's like Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike. That's yeah. where we went. Ah. Thank you, Matt Maritime. Yeah. We went to Lucky Strikes and there's a big ass, like, TV screen yeah. in the back as you bowl in a bar. And the next thing I know, Namdi's on the screen and they're like, the Eagles just gave him $65 million. And I'm like, are you shitting me? We're going to the Super Bowl. And this was among the year with all the pickups, the Babbins, and the, all of that crap. And it was like 2006. 
It was like 2000, what was it, 12 or something like that? Yeah, 20, 2011, I think yeah. it was Dream Team year. Yeah, yeah. Dream Team year. Oh. And I'm like, yo, we're going to the Super Bowl. We got Namdi. I went and bought a jersey. I had never bought a jersey of a free agent before. You see how that turned out. That's sitting in the closet somewhere. I got an authentic Namdi Asamoah jersey. You talking about making mistakes. Ooh. <laughs> I, I spent a nice little carrot on that. And I was all in. So I need to know from you guys, was there ever, you were wherever, and you heard the breaking news that one of those Philly teams signed somebody and you went apeshit like, oh, this is it. This is our year. All right. Well, one, I remember when they signed Michael Vick. And I yep. remember where I was for that. I was down the shore. I was hanging out with a bunch of buddies. It's the middle of the day. I was fucking loaded. And it was just like, wait, this can't, like, there's no, I, I can't believe they're actually, holy shit. And then it was just like, all right, now I, then, then I started piecing everything together and talking myself into it. And sure enough, like a year later, the guy's an MVP, you know? So you see everything that goes into that. I was like, that that was crazy. Um, another one that actually, I, I might be the only guy in the world that was super excited about this. Leonard fucking Weaver, baby. Oh, I remember yeah. when they signed Leonard Weaver and I bugged the hell out because I remember what he was doing in Seattle and that guy was good and I remember reading the hey. first post on that and I was just I was losing my mind over that and people were like he's a fullback I was like no 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 you don't get it he does everything he does everything and he's awesome and then, of course his knee exploded in Philly after yep. what one season yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like the first game they're wearing those awesome lime green or the, the old yeah, school yeah. green uniform and he his just made like a just, 65 Yard catch or something too. Yeah, he. Yeah. he oh my god, man. Yeah, I, I remember Leonard Weaver well. That was awesome. Bullbacks, baby. Fullbacks, Full right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kyle Uzjek just got a nice deal. Five year yeah. deal. Yeah. They're coming back. They're coming back. Give me back eye black and neck rolls, I'm baby. Telling you, <laughs> eye black That's and neck plan. rolls. <laughs> FCM Glacier boys in the championship. You gotta go fullback sneak at the end. There we go. There yeah, go. we got to do that next year. Pendel's <laughs> gonna play fullback <laughs> this weekend. Suit him up, David. So, who was your free agent signing, Matt Maritak? Well, before I get into that, I just want to say Namdi. Lately, he's been in movies. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he, a guy now. He he's he was in a movie with Hollywood. with Tessa Thompson and Eva Longoria last year. I ain't mad at him. Right, I saw that. I think it was I on Amazon. It was pretty good. It went to Sundance. This man said he wanted to be an actor. He legitimately did it. Credit to you, despite stealing money to <laughs> probably fund your career. He's produced eight films entirely off his Eagles contract. I'm convinced. <laughs> but I think my. Free agent signing Joe that I remember Panter the most. Funding yeah. <laughs> Namdi's acting career. I think it's probably Jim Tomey. Like nice. I remember, like I remember because that was the maybe the second, like that was the second biggest signing of my like life at that point. But it was the biggest name. It was the most significant. The first time the Phillies that. had ever really done that. It was in terms of what I could remember. So when Tomey came here, I was like, oh wow. So like we're a team now, <laughs> like we're. I don't have to deal with this terrible baseball anymore. Like they might do something, but it, yeah. you know, it, it, we all saw it eventually led to them getting gradually better and being able to you know get to a place where people could sign. But that was the one I remember most. That and probably Jeremy Roenick, right? Because they had just come out of the Lindros era and they needed that next star, like that next bridge to whatever future they were going to have after him. And JR was the biggest personality in the NHL at the time. And, you know, all of a sudden, he came here. 
and then had his face broken in several different ways. But he was really good when he was here. <laughs> and then he was unceremoniously dumped when they got Peter Forsberg, who, hair just as good, much quieter. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, that seems like it's going to be it for us today. Mm-hmm. We kept you a while today. Hope you enjoyed it. I am Bobby Dubs. As always, you can find me on the interwebs via Twitter at youngsfud1385 or on Instagram at robotorider. Make sure you go get the book Hope Over Hurt. It's on Amazon, paperback, digital, however you like it. Also, you can read my stuff at lastoutmedia.com. I just, like I said, I put out the Howie thing. Also, I'll be keeping track of all the Eagles free agent signings and things of that nature, and I'll put that piece out as time goes by as long as we get some type of movement. As of now, all I can tell you is Brandon Graham restructured for a year. But uh, as they add things, I will add things, and you guys will get that. They did bring back their senior vice president of communications. Well, there you go. That's That's how you build a winner. That's a big one. Scoop (laughs) scoop first reported by Howard Erskine. Where can we find the lovely yeah. Vince Quinn? Oh, well, you can find me at It's Vince Quinn. That would be Instagram, Twitter, Twitch now. I'm very hip. I'm very young. I'm on Twitch. So uh, those are the general places you can find me. And then here. I'm here all the time now. That's my new thing. I'm trying to be here more. So Last Out Media. Last Out Media Studios. Find us here. <laughs> and I am at Maritea. You can find me at M Maritea. That's M-M-A-R-A-T-E-A 2222 on Twitter, on Instagram, on untapped if you like following beer drinking i just had a, a i had 10 tasters the other night they offered four and six so i'm like let me get one of each and He's yeah going in lately he was taking shots of bourbon earlier before when i walked in the is studio. that what that is yeah yeah oh i saw like yeah i yeah. saw a shot glass with a number on it i was like i didn't I, get a shot i'm gonna have yeah. to ask about that okay so there we yeah. go yeah, so uh, Didn't save any for dubs. Yeah, keep on that. You might see some tipsy tweets. <laughs> Twitter fingers. Yeah, whenever could, you're listening to fun. this, go back through Matt's thread. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And as always, thank you to Last Out Media for giving us a place to write, create, record, and so on and so forth. We'll be back soon. Talk to you. Thanks. Yeah, and I'm the type to tell your daughter things. I flow high, don't try and cut my water wings.